Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. He konai purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Hi, I'm Jen Halregal. Welcome to the Sportsman of the Year, a suburban philosophy. Just a warning before we get started, some of the language can get a bit tough at times. I am from West Auckland after all. And we also talk about some stuff you might find upsetting and some stuff you will hopefully find funny. So take care of yourselves, okay? I was watching the straightjacket Fitz play at the Dogs Bollocks, Auckland. It was around the time I'd released my first album, It's My Sin, and I was feeling pretty good about life. Michael Kadinsky and Ian James from Mushroom Records had arrived from Melbourne and were there to check the Fitz out. Because I had consumed a lot of beer and was full of Dutch courage, I went up to Michael and said, You should publish me because I'm awesome and I write great songs. And he said, I don't know about your songwriting, but you've definitely got balls, so I think I should too. I guess it's certainly a way to make an impression if you're young and feisty, but I think if I introduced myself to someone like that now, I would be perceived as a sad old lush. I did end up signing a deal with his company, and through my association with Mushroom Group, I managed to get some pretty amazing support slots and met some wonderful people. He certainly opened the door to many opportunities when I was starting out, and little did I know, I would end up running my own music publishing business one day too. grandfather lost his leg under a tram, so my dad, Albie, had to leave school and start work at 14. He had no choice. He had to help support his family. After a while, Dad became the owner of a panel bedding business, and at one point he had over 25 employees. One contractor's business had was with Shell Oil to steam clean their petrol tankers. This is when petrol had a lot of lead in it too, and he wouldn't let any of his staff do this job as it was particularly difficult and potentially dangerous. Dad would come home with black gunk embedded along the rim of his eyelids, like he was wearing black mascara, and his hands had black lines running through the creases in his skin. I was always bothered when he came home looking like that, but it turns out I didn't have to worry. Dad is doing well in his dotage, even though he has probably inhaled enough dangerous chemicals over time to put a horse to sleep. He has only recently retired from mowing lawns at the age of 82. 
Ah, oh, but don't think he actually retired for real or anything, because he has just told me he has been excavating his property and digging up big rocks. He's also found a new hobby in steampunk, which is kind of perfect for a man who can make and fix anything, and has a shed full of bits and pieces and tools and a pottery wheel. To him, work is life is work, and he embraces all of it with a passion. Work keeps me fit, he says, or use it or lose it. And I believe him. So with him as a role model, I had no qualms about getting stuck in and working hard. And it seems work has become my life too, except my job, music, also happened to be my great love. So I am very fortunate indeed. There have been a plethora of jobs over the years. Sometimes it has been quite hard and I have lived from hand to mouth on occasion. But give me someone who has always had an easy time of it, with no challenges or hurdles, and I will show you someone unusual. My first part-time job was packing bags at Food Town after school, and following that, I worked on Friday nights at a bicycle and toy shop in Henderson. Mr and Mrs Dawes, the lovely couple who owned the store, would years later introduce me to their daughter, Janet, when they came to watch my band Cassandra's Ears play a gig. Janet would later become my flatmate, and was always very supportive when I needed guidance. One summer break, when I was a tertiary student, I worked at the Whangamata Tavern, which was a kilometre or two out of town. It was a little rough at times, and one particular night a patron decided that there was no way he was going to let me reject his amorous and quite revolting advances. He followed me into the ladies' bathroom after my shift, making some woozy drunken, hey, how about it, love, grunts at me. I pushed him out of the way and ran out to join my brother and his friends in the garden bar. I was telling them of my lucky escape as we sat around a wooden trestle table drinking TKO shooters. Next thing, there was a high-pitched guttural howl and the same patron was jumping from one trestle table to another while shaking a pool cue like a spear, screaming loudly to all who would listen, No bitch does that to me! Fuck you! Of course, he just happened to be affiliated with the local neighbourhood heavies and the pub was getting ready to rumble. My boss beckoned at us and told us to leave via the rear entrance, and we sprinted. I didn't work there again after that. Afterwards, we drove up to the lookout and discussed how lucky we were to get away unscathed. The song playing in the car stereo was Iron Butterflies in a Garden of Eda, and whenever I hear that song, I think of Pool Cue Guy. One job which influenced me greatly was a stint at my father's panel-beating shop after I graduated from Otago University. I was a bit lost after I finished my degree and was still in the Cassandra's Ears band and we liked touring. So it was very difficult to get a full-time job when all you wanted to do was play music. I asked Dad if I could work in his office because I knew he would have me. He was very patient with my musical dreams and even gave me the keys to his workshop so we could have band practices and also the use of a transit van for touring. 
Even though I wasn't the most gracious of employees at the time, I am very grateful to my father for giving me that job because he taught me how to manage a small company, be a good employer, and one of the most useful skills I use every day now, how to do accounts on a written ledger. Without that seemingly directionless job, I would not have the core skills that I have now to run a major music publishing business or the insight to appreciate the amazing people I now work with. Because without good people, in my view, there isn't a company. Some jobs have been extremely tough, like packing records in an old warehouse in St Kilda, Melbourne. It was so cold, sometimes my fingers would turn white, and this wasn't exactly good for my guitar, piano-playing hands. The boxes were incredibly heavy, and it took all of my will to move them. My take on it at the time, though, was that it was very good for my fitness, and I just loved being around all the vinyl. Also, the repetitiveness of the job was like meditating, and because I love singing while I work, I could warble in that warehouse all day long. Many of the people I've worked with, or the imagery of my surroundings, have ended up in a line of a song somewhere. A job I really enjoyed was working in a jewellery shop, Walker and Hall. There are loads of gemstones in my songs because I find their background stories so compelling. Did you know that emeralds are not as hard as rubies, but nothing is as unbreakable as a diamond? I remember selling engagement rings, and I loved hearing about these romances. There is nothing like watching someone walk out of your shop knowing they are holding a ring that is going to bring so much happiness to someone. Not so great when they come back a few days later asking if we could buy it back. Actually, that only happened once, but what a scene it was. I spent most of my wages on jewellery at the time because when you're working with gold, you go a bit Midas. Another fascinating job I had was delivering fish to Auckland restaurants. I loved that job. There was a real freedom driving around all day in a freezer truck to drop fish off at great Auckland restaurants. The crazy thing is that when I did this job, I had just released my album, It's My Sin, and it was heading up the charts, so at night time, courtesy of my record company and the wonderful Tim Murdoch, I was dining at the same restaurants I was delivering fish to. My boss at the time, Fiona McLeod, gave every one of her customers my album for Christmas, so that probably helped it chart higher. I will just add here that tuna is a very heavy fish, and delivering them is like lugging a human body in a canvas bag. At that time, my flat had a wonderful swimming pool in the garden, and in the summer after work, I would always take a plunge. My song, Malazine, was born in that pool. Once I worked for Bell South, which turned into Vodafone overnight, literally. I was working in customer retention, but was transferred to manually searching for contracts and putting them in numerical order. I was on my own every day. The first batch was in a small photocopy room, and I finished sorting these in a few days. 
Then I was sent to another room and it was wall-to-wall, metre-deep piles of paper contracts. It would take me months to sort through these papers. The guy who originally gave me that job resigned from his position and I don't know if he told anyone I was still in that room. After a while, I think everyone who was in a senior position forgot I was even there and I had no one to report to. I went to work, sifted through piles of paper and then went home. I would probably have been paid even if I didn't turn up. When I resigned, I didn't know who to tell, so I just left a note at reception. I always wondered to this day, would I still be getting paid if I didn't tell them I was leaving? Next stop was Books and Homes, and I loved my time there and working with Christine Furnihoe. She is an extraordinary woman who taught me a lot about everything, especially about being enthusiastic, courageous and saying thank you. While there, I wrote one of my biggest musical achievements. Christine asked if I would write a theme song for the Charitable Trust, so I enlisted the help of Dave, you may have heard of him, Dobbin, and Toiti, who helped out with some of the lyrics. The song is called Read About It, and over 90,000 kids sing that song a few times a year still. And now there is an Australian and US version. Today, I am the managing director of a music publishing company called Songbroker, and it is my dream job because I get to work in a creative industry, hang out with musicians, and I can still write and produce my own music. I was always going to end up in music publishing. It is a job designed for me, but when I began playing music, I didn't even know what a music publisher was. In fact, I didn't know what a music publisher was even when I signed to one. When I was a young woman, I used to fantasise a lot about music industry executives. Not because I thought they were attractive or sexy, but because I wanted to be like them so I was in a position to make choices over my career. I wanted to be a musician who was also a businesswoman. I figured that knowing all about the music trade or the business side while making the stuff would be really empowering. And it is. I am proud of what I've done to support my music career and this has ensured I've always been creatively independent so I could release music on my own terms. My father said to me when I was having a moan about my progress, no one owes you a living, Jan. And he was so right. And to all the people who have employed me or have given me guidance over the years, I thank you very much. This episode of Sportsman of the Year was written and performed by me, Jan Halregal. Justin Gregory was the producer and the engineer was Jana Witter. Tim Watkin is the executive producer. You can get the book Sportsman of the Year, Suburban Philosophy, which comes with a high-resolution download, or you can get the CD too, at my website, janhalregal.com, or at record stores and bookshops who are stocking Sportsman of the Year. Ask them for it. You can subscribe to Sportsman of the Year at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Radio Public and, of course, rnz.co.nz forward slash series. Please give us a rating. More people find out about us that way. Thanks for listening.
I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't, right? Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? <laughs> say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. <laughs> 